mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 138 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and we are powered by Audio-Technica. This week, bringing you an interview with Robin Arnett. He is the CEO and co-founder of Andromeda Entertainment, the studio behind SoundSelf, which is a video game releasing on the 22nd of April. The most perceptive listeners will realize this isn't launching on its usual day. We published a day later to scrape past the embargo for SoundSelf. And I should say it's not quite accurate to just call it a video game. He's calling it a technodelic and it is a apparently psychedelic gaming experience utilizing virtual reality's unique effect on the senses. From what I can gather, it's a game that doesn't quite fit in the box compared to our understanding of what video games are. And Robin is really interesting to talk to because he's been working on this game for eight years. He first launched the Kickstarter way back when, and after all this time and all this development and finessing, they're finally releasing the game, which is pretty exciting for those guys. And it'll be interesting to see, as the first of its kind, what kind of response it gets. If you look into it, it's it's really focused on a oneness experience, mindfulness and wellness and being able to manipulate visuals with your voice, which is quite a unique and innovative approach to video games. There's this focus on using the technology of game design for purposes that are different to what most gamers are used to. And Robin's a great person to talk to about this. He's been working on it for so long. And in the past few years, he's even done a TED Talk X presentation. It's called Designing Video Games for a More Mindful World. I watched that before talking to him and found it really fascinating to see how he's kind of merging these concepts of mindfulness and games, showing that the medium is capable of doing so much more than just purely entertainment, I suppose. So in the last few days, Robin's also released a document called A Technodelic Manifesto, talking about how game design and VR can transform consciousness. So he really is someone who's thought about this a lot, you know, he's put this together been working on it for so long and I think that you're gonna really get a lot out of hearing the way that he talks about games which is for me different than the way I've heard anyone else approach the art form and the medium so here's Robin Arnott enjoy the show Robin thank you so much for joining me pleasure to be here thank you Jono that's all right it's do I have a, that right Jono or Jono Jono yeah oh, Jono like, okay thank you you got it right the second time which I'm glad that you even asked because most Americans just go Jono or they just make up a new name on the spot. Peter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you Jono. Good. Yeah. Robin, that's nice and easy. So, Sound Self. This looks like a, a concept that's been kicking around for a long time based on my research of the Kickstarter and everything. But I wanted to go back a bit further than that even and talk about how you got into development to begin with and i guess audio engineering because that's also part of your background right Mm -hmm. yeah i was the sound designer on i don't know if your viewers remember anti-chamber and uh the stanley parable but i did the sound design for both of those games and yeah working with those developers was also a um uh, a kind of mentorship in in game design and and you're right this this is a particular project sound self has been kicking around for about eight years in development and mm. I, I don't know if your viewers or listeners really, um, I didn't recognize this until I got into games. Games games take a really long time to make. 
They certainly yeah. can take it. Like, I remember when I was just getting started, noticing lots of my independent game developer friends would, um, it just take forever to make a game. And it was when I started making one that I realized, like, oh, shit, yeah, when you're, especially when you're doing something new, you know? Like, I have mm. so much respect for, uh, I love video games, and I love first-person shooters, and I love all genres of video games. And But when you're making something new that you don't have the benefit of, of tens or hundreds of games coming before you that that have already made experiments mm. it, the process just takes there's so much new ground to cover like with sound yeah. self there was a good two years of design and this is for your, for your listeners you know this is a really really unique project it doesn't have you play the game with your voice so you begin lying at the base of a tree and you begin toning and as you tone you rise up the tree and once you reach the top of the tree, the whole world explodes into a kind of psychedelic abstraction. Now, the interaction is your voice, and, and the targeted state of mind is a deep state of trance and relaxation, like mm. a deeply meditative state or, a, or even a unitive state. So SoundSelf has really, really different aims from most games, and so there was... There's nothing in the literature of game design that I could lean on. There was a lot in the literature of meditation techniques, but there was nothing in the literature of game design. So it take, took years and years and years to, to hone it and hone it and hone it and do all the experiments that nobody's done before, including years mm. just going off track, making it, you know, I spent two years where I was just trying to make it more intense, which did not make it more meditative. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that's a bit of a conflict, intensity and calmness. But. Well, not necessarily, you know, because the way sound self works is it overstimulates you. And it overstimulates your mind, so you have to kind of just give up and give into it. Mm. Right. But I definitely went way too far in that direction for a little while. Okay. So if we, can, if we can go back a little, did you grow up wanting to work in video games or working in sound? Like, what was it that drew you this direction? I was interested in film. When I was uh, uh, in college, I went to film school in, at NYU, and um, there, NYU now has an amazing game program that was in its inception period in my last year in school, and I met Frank Lance and a bunch of those folks and really loved the way they thought and was interested in, by that time I was already interested in sound engineering and sound design. And how, because what I love about sound design is, is you can slip past a, per a person's consciousness. You know, mm. you can affect a person in a really deep way without them realizing how they're being affected. So when I was doing sound design for film and then later for games, there's all sorts of tricks you could do. You know, you see one thing on the screen, but you hear something else and your mind automatically makes the connection between what you're hearing and what you're seeing without you being conscious of it at all. Mm. And so we did this in antechamber just by filling the world with really calming sounds that have a psychologically calming impact on you you don't necessarily notice you but them but they they give you more patience to solve antechambers really complex puzzles um so i was just really interested in hacking a person's consciousness and affecting them in ways that they didn't recognize and um yeah i got into games because i met those people at the nyu game center i met alex bruce and that was really my first antechamber that was that was my first project working as a, a sound designer for games and um after doing the sound design of an antechamber i would have been quite content just to keep doing sound design for games for years because i loved it i loved the work 
it's it's fun work but but then this idea for sound self kind of blasted off in my head and i, I couldn't ignore it yeah <laughs> that's cool sound design is such a like it's something that's so important to the experience of a game that pe most people probably don't think about like when you talk about the sound they're probably thinking of the music or like the sound effects of the guns and the explosions and what does the pistol sound like or what does the laser sound like but yeah I, I think you've explained that really well how important it is to being there and being kind of underlying and some people might not even notice it but it's still there and it still makes such a big difference doesn't it yeah and it works precisely because you don't notice it's there i i always figured as a sound designer if if i could affect a person's psychology and and not have them comment on the sound design afterwards then i'd done a good job mm. like I, if you go back and look at antechamber the sound design on that is so weird but nobody ever really <laughs> talks about it and I took that as a compliment. That's great. That's a really foolproof way of uh, critiquing yourself is that if no one notices what you're doing, you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, certainly if you're trying to get under people's skin. And that's that's where I, I guess I've just always been, as long as I've been creating stuff, I've always been interested in states of consciousness and what's happening underneath everything that you're aware of happening, you know? Sure. And and so that started as a like an engineering problem with with my sound design work and and it's since become you know sound self is a whole project that is completely built around that exploration cool so when it became time to go out and on your own and you had this idea what was it that you think inspired you to do something that was completely new that there wasn't any roadmap for knowing that how that knowing that that it would be a considerable challenge yeah I had my first oneness experience at Burning Man. Uh, do you know what a oneness experience is, or do you think your listeners will? I think I know, but maybe you should explain. <laughs> sure. So for me, it was facilitated by LSD at Burning Man, and right. I, it's it, and every religion that exists is is sort of more or less centered around these sorts of experiences where you realize and you could witness it and see it clearly, obviously that you're not separate from everything else that everything mm. is an expression of what you more deeply are and and you're one with everything and um when people have these experiences and they're they're quite common most people have an experience like this at least once in their life and and once you've had one you can begin to hone them in your life and pursue them i mean uh, i mentioned my first one this experience came from lsd but psychedelics is just one path there's also meditation prayer um, really an, an authentic religious exploration is, is a very, very effective way of pursuing um, these unitive states of consciousness. So I had my first one and it, it, it kind of just knocked down everything I believed about myself and about the universe like, like, like children's toys. And mm. it was in the, the looking around the debris of my the debris of my like collapsed analysis of what I thought the universe was that I found this, this game design in the rubble of it. And it was, <laughs> okay. it, yeah, yeah. It, it was really just in the aftermath of my first oneness experience and reflecting on that experience and finding the whole design of this was, was there just waiting for me to make it. Mm. Um, 
that may sound a little abstract, but that's how it was for me. You know, it's not like I thought about this and tried to figure out how to make a thing. It's just like I was mind wandering a little bit and thinking about that experience, which I couldn't. You can't you can't put those experiences into words and and you also can't really remember them. But I was mind wandering around it and found it, it was like a gift from the gods. It was this, this fully this almost complete set of design principles and I knew that if I pursued those design principles it could help people reach the same kind of unitive states of consciousness that I did assisted by LSD but without LSD and without a meditation technique like I could just see it really clearly a video game a video game designed by the right principles could do this for people that's cool and that's yeah that's where the the i mean the voice mechanic comes from that's where all the visuals come from every single design principle of sound self came from that um came from that eureka moment sure because it's so different to what most people would associate with video with video games has it been a tough sell at all or is it going to be as you get you know to the point where more and more people you're trying to market it and push it out even further than what you have been the only thing that's hard about it is describing it, mm. which you'd think would be pretty hard. And it is. It, it, it's a, you know, I described to you earlier what the first couple minutes of the experience are like. But really, like, if you want to know what the experience is like, you have to try it. There's no other way around it. You can't, you know, you can read about yeah. it. But anybody who, if, if, if you have an experience with it, like an authentic experience with it, it, it is, it quickly becomes undescribable. And because it, it's triggering it's sort of stimulating the same parts of your mind, not even stimulating them, stimulating them into rest, I should say, so right. that you can witness reality in that kind of deeply, deeply still place that you could reach with meditation and psychedelics and whatnot. So, but once, you, once you're there, it's completely indescribable. And so it's been difficult to describe the experience to people but i think a lot of people are really ready for this especially people who have experienced these sorts of things and you don't need to describe it to them you know there's certain certain kind of winks and nudges <laughs> that we yeah. can put all over our marketing materials yeah right i guess it kind of goes hand in hand with virtual reality in general because that medium is something that you can't really describe it's something people have to put on the headset and experience for themselves to really get it i think and that's probably been one of the barriers for vr taking off and i guess your project has probably gone in hand in hand evolving over the years with the technology of vr right well yeah when we so sound self was we started work on it just before the oculus rift kickstarter happened so that'll take you back that's about seven yeah. years ago eight years ago and then the Oculus Rift Kickstarter happened, and, and we were just like, oh shit, this is a perfect project for VR. And so we started developing it for VR, and it's only in the last couple of years that we've realized, like, you know, the thing that VR gives us that we love is that it's a blanket over your head. It isolates you and takes away all distractions, and so we, we, we can have this magical experience take up your whole sensorium. But there's the positional tracking doesn't really matter, and so you can have a really powerful experience with sound self just with a screen provided you turn off the lights if you turn off the lights sure. and put on headphones and look at a screen and get comfortable you can have a really powerful experience with sound self so yes we have evolved with the technology but it's interesting because i love vr but i think i love vr for a l very different reasons 
from how mm. from what from what most developers love about VR. And ultimately, it's kind of brought me back home to just screens because because look, I want I want people to have the most immersive experience they can with this. That's not necessarily with a VR headset. It, it mm. can be if you put a little attention to it. You know, turning off the lights in the room. Maybe you have a projector. Maybe you don't. But if you put a little attention into it, you can have a really powerful experience with or without VR. Okay. I'm interested in a project that takes this long. How do you tangibly, I guess, how do you practically do that in the sense of, you know, you did a Kickstarter at the beginning, but then you've got all these costs, I'm guessing, and things get more expensive as you go along. You need to hire more people. How do you keep that going? Are you working other jobs? Are you working on other games in the meantime? I was for a little while, but eventually it became clear that I just needed to focus on this full time. Uh, I had I had some money left over, and I was like, I made a bunch of money with Antichamber, and I've I'm pretty financially comfortable. And also, my programmer Evan, who I've been collaborating with this on the longest time, he's been using the technology for SoundSelf in order to build something else that called Imitone, which is a a voice detection algorithm for for singing MIDI instruments. It's really cool, mm. um, and it's it's sort of the technological foundation of what makes sound self work. And so he's he's built an, a musical system off of that, which he's making money with. And so neither okay. of us have needed to make money with this project for for a long time. And uh, uh, and it's it's only now that we've sort of been ramping up things more as we talk talk about like like how the hell do you do you communicate something that's incommunicable. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I watched the trailer for it the other day, the one that was like, you know, drugs and technology intersecting, and yeah, it's it's always fun to see how people market something that's VR because it's often not exactly the same as or it's, it can't be the same watching a, a trailer as it can be to actually put it on and experience all those sensory things that you've described. Yeah, it's doubly so with this one. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can't we can't with a teaser or and we're putting out another trailer uh that in we're going to be putting out another trailer just before launch but mm. there, there's really no hope in getting someone to understand the experience without them yeah. trying at first so we, we just like you know throw that out the window and are just like well mm. what can we can we do something that might excite people and give them some idea you know remind them of something so the, yeah yeah, that teaser that you saw, and I love that teaser, um, and it's a it's a cool teaser, uh, but obviously there's the backgrounds and all the visuals in it are from the game, but it's not a mm -hmm. it's not a gameplay trailer. It's not a you know it's just a. Yeah. It's about the vibe. <laughs> it's about the vibe exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I mean it's it's hard enough to describe music. Like if if there's a really great music critic, it really blows me away because describing a sound with words is such an art form and to do that for a video game that's so based around sound it would make that even like like you said it, it's double <laughs> it, yeah it's music is and i love music and i love reading about music but it's like you can't there's no it doesn't touch it you know and i, I like the comparison mm. with music because i think music can also like is so evocative in this way that's also indescribable um it really does just have to be experienced. And so I think so much of the work of communicating is just, I know it's funny because people expect to understand something before they experience it, but, yeah. <laughs> but you never do. Not if it's a, not if it's an authentic experience, I don't think.
Yeah. Yeah, I think you can say that for anything that's really amazing. Like, even a, a game like God of War, which is conventionally just like the progression of that style of game over many, many years. But yeah. until you play that, you're like, oh, wow, this feels different. Like, it's you couldn't have prepared me for how good this feels. Yeah. I've just been playing Half-Life yeah. Alex, which is, you know... Um, it, it's built upon years of first-person shooters and, and best practices in virtual reality. And, and you know, it is, it's about as core and, you know, you could call it mainstream as it gets. It's built upon about as much of a legacy foundation hmm. as a game can, but it's still, there's definitely something to it that, 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 he, that, that just has to be experienced, you know? And that's why that it's that thing that there's something to this that has to be experienced. That's why we are drawn to experiences. Otherwise, we... I forget who it was, but there was some contemporary of Mozart who um, would... Uh, when asked... He was a composer. And and when asked um, if he was going to go see... He'd, he'd, he'd looked at the pages. He'd looked at the pages for uh, one of Mozart's symphonies. And when I asked uh, if you're going to go see this and go witness it in person, uh, he said, no, no, I've already, I've already looked at the pages. You know, I've already, I've already <laughs> experienced it. And now it's, it's like we can look at that and we can kind of it's, – it's funny, you know, and it's arrogant. But it's yeah. – <laughs> but the reason that that seems funny and arrogant points to exactly, exactly this thing exactly mm. this um, something sticky about experiencing something directly and I think something about and especially when you're trying to create something new you know yeah for sure so I'm interested in how you go from Burning Man to doing a TED talk because that's something new for this podcast I don't think I've ever interviewed someone who's done a TED talk what was it like to kind of have that notch on your belt so I've been talking and talking for years about the the premises that made sound self possible um they're they're I'm, I'm putting together a manifesto about it which will be out in in probably just a couple of weeks or maybe even by the time you release this hmm. so sound self's a, a technodelic it's using the technology of game design for different purposes to what most games are and as i've been building this thing and understanding what makes it click in that order building it from intuition and then after seeing something works, finally wrapping my head around why it works. And and for me to do that, I've had to use the, the vocabulary of trance, of hypnosis, um, and game design. But not game design alone. Game design in, 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 in a kind of dance with hypnosis and, and trance and, uh, and mysticism as well, frankly. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was... I knew I was discovering something that has been discovered again and again and again over the centuries through every lens, which is how, which is paths into stillness, paths into everywhere you look, you know, every art form anywhere, anyway, there's, there is a path into stillness through that art form. And so I was just, I've for years been letting my mind chew on this. Like, how do I explain this to other people? It's been the chief project of my mind is is how do I explain to people or share with people or teach to people what a video game what makes a video game a uniquely powerful tool for giving a person a spiritual experience and um, 
so I've been talking about it for years, and I I forget how they the the TED the TED people they in this was in Linz they reached out to me and I was thrilled to take the opportunity, um, and um, but I'd be, I'd been speaking about it for a little while, and and I'm going to keep speaking about it because I want to see more things like this in the world. But that was actually a because my I had a loss in my family just before my TED talk and it it completely wrecked me and it was actually preparing for that talk that kind of it was the first thing I did to pull myself back into the world and right. so it was it was a really really powerful experience for me to do that and and I think I think without that I would have been I would have it it would have it would have taken me a lot longer to heal, uh, and and now when I watch that TED talk, I, I can I can see I can see the grief in it. I wouldn't expect other people to, but but I can I can see and feel the grief in it. Right. How long ago was that one? That was about three years ago. Yeah, sure. I'm interested, and I have to ask for my listeners. I think because it's a bucket list item for so many people to host a TED talk. How does that come about? Do you apply for it? Does someone approach you? Do you have to know someone? I really don't know. I got approached. <laughs> uh, but also it, it was mine was a it was a TEDx talk and and right. with TEDx there are so 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 more, more more so many more opportunities to to give this kind of mm-hmm. and it's a great experience because it forces you to put your thoughts in order and and make them concise and the more concise you can make them and the more communicable you can make them the more you understand them yourselves so it's a really good learning opportunity yeah i think i think for people who are interested in that it's just like talk about what you're talk and write about what you're interested in and and put it out there and unfortunately that's the best advice i can get i can give it's fine (laughs) that's cool so what would you say has been the hardest part of this journey for you it's been a long one probably taking lots of twists and turns along the way if if it's like everything else that happens over that period of time so what's been the most challenging thing to overcome motivation um i mean i've i'm i'm more patient and more motivated than most i think and i mean this has been my project for eight years you know i've been i've been focusing on this one thing for eight years and i've never left it um Mm. But there have been long periods of time where I'll give you an example. Um, I mean, SoundSelf has taken a lot of work to optimize to get it to run on on good machines. It, 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 the way it's processing graphics is is um, beefy, and um, for a while, my for a long time, my sense of of well being was directly tied to the frame rate I was hitting with SoundSelf. And when it was just me and my programmer, I would sometimes go through phases where it's just like I couldn't get the frame rate up. And I didn't know why, and I didn't really understand the, the it, it would take me a while to fix it. And in those periods, my motivation would just like drop. And this is the benefit of working in a team is you can bounce off one another, but when it's just one or two people, mm. it's, it's harder to do that. And it's when it's just one or two people who are making something new, so you don't have you know you don't have any of the economic pressures like that most game studios have to like come on get this out to make a lot of money you know evan and i never anticipated sound self would be a big money maker we were making it for different reasons but when you're i know so many people when you're making something for the sake of making it and you and you don't have a big team it when you get knocked down 
and you get knocked down again and 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 that's that's like the only constant of creative work is if you're if you're doing something new and if you're being brave you will get knocked down again and again and again and sometimes by the same thing that you thought you had conquered a year ago you know for a while we had this bug come up and it's the most awful bug you could possibly imagine in a wellness experience in an experience okay. that's <laughs> meant to bring you into like a deeply zen and still state of consciousness and this was, by the way, so what I'm about to describe to you is a problem that was persistent for us for literally years. We would put people into sound self and they would be toning and resting and, and they would just start to get into it. And sometimes, not often enough for us to reliably track it down, not often enough for us to be able to like even warn people, but just sometimes spontaneously the whole soundscape would erupt into like demons screaming in your ears <laughs> okay. constantly until you turned off the computer so sounds like a different game <laughs> yeah yeah really really different i mean it was horrifying because we would bring people into a really really like deep mindful still place where they're very vulnerable and suddenly there would be this horrible sound. And sometimes the graphics would get crazy fucked up at the same time. And so it was... it was To, to describe that as... And it took forever to figure out what was doing it. And so to describe that as demoralizing is an understatement, you know? Mm. It, 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 was, it, was, it, was, it was awful. <laughs> and uh, and it, it literally took us years to figure out what was, what was happening. Yeah, well... Okay, well, I guess you overcame that because it's no longer an issue, right? Yes, that is definitely correct. It is no longer an issue. Yeah, cool. Okay, and uh, what would be your advice to people who have their own project they want to work on? Maybe it's something that hasn't got a roadmap. Maybe it's uncharted territory like SoundSelf is. What's your advice to make it happen? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, I think the only reason I've been able to succeed is is because I've been very patient and because I've treated sound self as my teacher. You know, it's like, it's not only that I'm creating sound self, it's that I'm, I'm being created by the process mm. of creating sound self. So, right. so treating the creation process as a, as a spiritual journey, as a journey of inner growth is, is I think the only thing that could make the kind of discipline and time it takes to make something new worth it in a way that in a way that isn't just about you know the uh, the highs because if is if it's just about the highs that's not going to sustain you through mm -hmm. you know two years of of mysterious demons bug screaming in your ear you know <laughs> and you'll have your own version of that yeah interesting my last question for you is if you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail what would you do oh <sighs> This is maybe a little bit of a boring answer, but I can't really imagine doing anything but what I'm doing. It's like I found I've I'm very lucky to have found mm. something to found my niche and to found um, something that's very purposeful to me, which is bigger than sound self. You know, for me, it's um, I see huge potential in video games to be an agent of of global healing and of helping mm -hmm. us come into deeper stillness. And 
there's a lot of work to be done there. More work than can be done by one person or a hundred people. And it needs leadership. And and that's my mission. And it's it it it's big enough it's big enough to be awe inspiring to me. And it's in within enough of the scope of my like personal interests and skills and so on that I really believe I can do it with a lot of help and a lot of time. Hmm. And and so I'm very lucky. I'm not I'm I'm there is nothing that for me, there's nothing that I would put my mind to if I knew I could succeed other than what I'm doing because that's that's more or less how I'm approaching my creative energy. Yeah, I guess that's self-affirming at least for you that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm lucky, you know. I think I think I think we we spend our lives looking for that thing that's worth our life. And and mm. I think for so many of us if we haven't found it yet, we 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 either take on something so big that it demoralizes us. Like if you're you know, I think for a lot of us struggling with the the pain of being in an imperfect world you know that that can lead to just like wanting to any number of change in the world that's beyond your capacity or your skill you know or or you you pick things that are too small and not meaningful and it, and it's it is such a gift to have something that is just the right size for one lifetime i think your story has probably motivated a lot of people to go and check this out where can they find it if they want to and i know that it's kind of pc oculus driven at the moment but is there plans to bring it to psvr with the amount of of those units there are in the world we're looking at bringing it to psvr um but not yet it'll take a little bit of time and right now mm -hmm. i'd recommend people like i said you, you really don't need vr i'd recommend people just go sure. to steam and uh if it's before april 22nd you can wishlist it there and if it's april excuse me after april 22nd you can just go ahead and buy it on steam um Very good. and uh, if you could also go to our website, which is soundself.com, S-O-U-N-D-S-E-L-F.com. We're pretty active on the socials as well, Twitter and Facebook. You could just look us up. Well, thanks for sharing your story, Robin. It's been really fascinating. And hopefully uh, it's a project that you feel is worth the, worth the effort, <laughs> worth the work. And it'll be interesting to see what this springboards into next for you, because I'm sure it's, you know, if this is the first of its kind, there must be more to follow, more ways for it to evolve into other things, I'm guessing. Yeah. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Audio Technica. You can check out the game at SoundSelf on Twitter. If you want to support this show, you can do so with your Apple Podcasts and Podchaser reviews. Or head over to patreon.com slash weare8bits, A-T-E-B-I-T. That's where you can drop some cash to get behind the 8-Bit Collective and kick a little coin our way to do what we're doing here, supporting all the creators in the 8-Bit Collective. You can catch me on social media at Jono himself. And until next episode, keep putting in work.